Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Lady Mouse! Lady Mouse! Celebrate your lady, lady mouth. mouth. Lady, lady mouth. mouth. Oh my God, it's like totally lady, lady, mouth. Mouth. lady, lady mouth. mouth. Lady Mouth. What's up, women and ladies and dames and broads and chicks and everything in between? This is Lady Mouth, the show where I, Mixie Plum, encourages women I love and know, some I've known forever, some I might just meet. I encourage them to use their lady mouth to talk about whatever they want to talk about and bring about for you to know and to really understand someone's point of view from every aspect, all women, all the time. So today I have the fortune of having my very, very best friend ever. And her name is Steph. Woo! Say hi, Steph. Hi, Steph. Yay. (laughs) So, Steph, how did we meet? We met in late August of 1996 (laughs) on the campus of what used to be known as the Sage Junior College of Albany. (laughs) And I actually, do you remember our first conversation? Because I do. I do. You were with uh, Maura. You guys were all stoned and we were in a Weezer triangle. No, that was not our first conversation. It's not. Oh, that's the first time I guess I remember meeting you then. What's our first conversation? This bitch. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. I love that we start stories like this. We've died (laughs) since 96, so it's like 24 years so we're allowed to save this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I don't even know if we'd been in the dorms a day yet. It might have been a day. But I was in the bathroom, in the ladies' room, and I had just washed my hands. And I pulled down some paper towels and was toweling off my hands. And I hear, do you really think you need that much paper towels? <laughs> and I look around. <laughs> What the hell was I thinking? I don't know. Apparently, you were not pleased with the amount of paper towels I used. So me being the dutiful people pleaser who was scared shitless at being in the dorm for the first time, <laughs> dutifully unrolled my paper towel so that you could, in fact, see that it was mostly wet. Wow. At which point, you were like, okay, okay. And then you were like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. And I was like, no, it's okay. It's all right. <laughs> that is the worst first impression I could ever make <laughs> on anyone. Oh, my God. Well, see, now I remember that first night where you and your roommate were all like, hey, man, what's up? I'm like, man, that's that girl I thought was so cool, Stephanie. I hope I could talk to her someday. <laughs> You already had talked to me, but apparently I did not remain insulted. So it's all good. Yeah. Yeah. And 24 yeah. years later, uh, we, we are. are. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's been an amazing journey and path with you. And recently, I have to just quickly announce this. My favorite text yesterday on my birthday was Steph saying she saved a, a spot on the 42 train for me. So I, I, I was very touched. Stephanie gives me the most touching, like Stephanie knows what a sentimental I am. One day for my birthday, she gave me a Princess Leia card and I cried. It, that actually wasn't for your birthday. That oh. was because, it, what was it? 
Galentine's Day. Galentine's Day. Day, that's right. And I saw the card and I was like, well, if this isn't the fucking stupidest shit I've ever seen in my life, this whole Galentine's Day thing, but look <laughs> at this Princess Leia card. This is cool. I'm going to get this and send it to Michelle and let her know that she is my Galentine, even Yay. though I think Galentine's Day is kind of dumb. I, I know it's from Parks and Rec, and I dig it for Parks and Rec. And, and our mutual friend, Allie Hope, uh, loves celebrating it. But yeah, I'm like, I'm in your boat. I'm not a big gal. But yeah, if I see something that reminds me of Steph, I don't give a shit what holiday it is. I'm like, Steph, here, because you need this. I, you know, I have watched many episodes of Parks and Rec, so either I don't remember that episode or I haven't seen it. You know how I am with pop culture. Especially yeah, totally. when I'm old, I just don't retain it anymore. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> All righty. So let's get um, to the crux of your episode because Steph and I picked three episodes. You'll be hearing three different uh, episodes with Steph. Today is our first. Well, uh, I think this is the most recent topic that you have addressed with your friends and everything. And it's been really nice on your journey. Uh, Stephanie has come out as ace or asexual. I have. Yes. It's not one of those things where you go to her and say, well, maybe you just haven't found the right man yet. No. <laughs> oh, I dare you. I fucking dare you. <laughs> Dude. Hey, I've tried to fix you up with dudes. <laughs> they just fall through because they're assholes. I, I no. just can't. Yeah, no. She's just, Steph and I have a very good track record of dating people. Not good for us, we'll just say. Mm. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll get into it a little bit further as as we get on in the in the interview, but. But yes, all all will become clear. Exactly. <laughs> but I don't so, think anybody at this point would dare be like, oh, well, maybe someday, you know, you'll find the, no. Ain't, ain't yeah, nobody that's just that an insult to say to someone. <laughs> if someone's happy not having kids, don't say to them, well, you know, maybe you'll have them one day. No, no. Don't say oh, shit well, like that. Oh, that's a whole other topic, but I've gotten that before as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you have. Well, let's start with just the basic question, because I'm sure, you know, I, I mean, there are people who are familiar with ace and asexual, but, you know, there may be people that aren't. And I want to hear in your words, what is ace, Stephanie? Absolutely. Well, let me just start out by saying, because I'm going to be saying a lot of things, that I am not an expert in any of this stuff. Um, I am just a human on or having a human experience. Um, exactly. I will say that when I was first learning, I did get a lot of my, uh, a lot of good information from the AVIN website, which is the uh, Asexual Visibility and Education Network, uh, www.asexuality.org. So a lot of what, I'm, what I'll have to say, I learned from that website, but a lot of it I just learned from my own experience, hearing the experiences of others and stuff like that. And I'm still learning myself. So, you know, just keep that in mind. <clears throat> um, but I mean, the basic definition of asexuality is um, the lack of or a limited ability to feel sexual attraction. So, you know, a, a heterosexual person, they feel attracted to their uh, binary opposite gender, a uh, homosexual person, they feel sexual attraction to their own gender, uh, an asexual person, the, the, the baseline definition is that they feel no sexual attraction. Now, that is not your baseline, because I know you feel sexual attraction, right? Or Well, I'll get into that in a little bit more detail as, as far as my personal journey goes. Um, in my personal experience, there there has been one time where I felt sexual attraction, but in general, no. Yeah, and I, I really want to applaud you for saying that, um, you know, I'm not going to have experts on here. I'm got, I want to talk to regular people. People who are professionals may not be with their, that matches their journey, whatever it may be, but 
I am glad you said it that way because that's exactly how I would say it. I'm human. I'm on my journey. I research my own materials and then I go from there, you know? Right. So yeah, I, exactly. I, and yeah. cause you know, people will come for you online. If they oh, think you're wrong, yeah. they will come for you. And all I'm trying to say is, you know, if, if I do say something that is incorrect or, or, you know, by all means, educate me. I want to learn more. This is just my own oh, yeah. personal oh yeah we're so alike we're students of life i've always lived like that all right so our next question i have for you and i think this is important because i want you to be a at least with this episode to be a representative for your chosen path and impart your wisdom so what is it do you think is important for people to understand about being ace well there's actually a lot of uh, misconceptions about asexuality and and what it means the most important thing um that's that it's it's kind of important to understand is that like many things in life particularly sexual orientation asexuality is a spectrum um, yes. and I, I don't even like the word spectrum because it's, it's not even really like there's one extreme and there's another, it's, it's almost three dimensional in the way that, that things flow and, and move and, and, and sexuality is a very fluid thing. Well, I, I agree. Um, I personally like the word spectrum. You know, my daughter is in the autism spectrum and again, that's a future episode for Steph too. Um, I feel as a spectrum as not one or the other. I feel as it it's the whole, there's many different levels. And I think that applies for gender at least, right? Because oh, sure. there's just so much, yeah. So I, I oh, actually- you've got, you've got gender queer, you've got non-binary, gender flux. There are so many different, uh, yeah. trans, transgender, obviously all these things fall under the, the transgender umbrella. So absolutely. People yeah. are too complex to really be that black and white. And as someone who is on the autism spectrum myself, yeah. I understand black and white thinking, but, um, exactly. it, it is, it, and, and it is especially important to understand that with asexuality because you do have, you know, different sort of niche sub genres that fall into the asexual umbrella such as a gray sexual uh, a gray sexual or a gray ace is someone who um might feel sexual attraction more often mm -hmm. but in general doesn't um there's also demisexuals a demisexual person is a person who does not feel sexual attraction until there is uh an emotional and mental connection. So that that's not a person that's just going to go out with their friends and you know meet someone at an event and be like, oh yeah, I want to fuck that person. It's 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 a much more gradual thing. And you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of debates about whether or not that's just another version of of normal. You know what I mean? And I think that in general, what I've found <clears throat> with the asexual community is that people don't identify, and, and again, this is in general, as asexual or demisexual or graysexual, okay. unless they're feeling more of that lack of attraction than not. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Um, I actually relate to the demi uh, term uh, because, you know, after being single post-divorce and getting back into the dating scene, I mean, now does that, like, would I, not that I, you know, me with labels, I'm like, I'm mixy, whatever, you know, my labels tend to stick to witch, <laughs> punk, you know, <laughs> goth. But uh, Demi, um, I, I've noticed that, you know, as I've been dating in my older life, I'm like, I just can't date someone who's not emotionally open. And I need that emotional openness to really be with someone. So would that fall under a Demi thing, even though I am cis-hetero? I'm just curious. Uh, being cis-hetero actually doesn't really have anything to do with it. I okay. mean, again... 
I don't want to label you or say that, you know, you are this or you are that, because only you can say for sure. Yeah, I'm not going to go around saying I'm Demi or anything. My understanding of demisexual, I would not consider you demisexual because you have... I mean, I don't want to spill your tea either. (laughs) No, no, spill away. Dude, you can spill my tea anytime. I mean, you recently told me about a, a guy that you were dating... And I think you would only, there was something having to do with uncontrollable urges that occurred in a hot tub. Um, For me. (laughs) Okay, yeah, I'm a horny bastard. I get it. Okay, so would you say in that moment that you were actually in love with that person? No. But you definitely felt that groinal pull towards that. Yeah, but isn't that all physical? So are you saying asexual doesn't have like the physical uh, uh, like or the biological physical attraction? Well, that's actually a good question because it brings me to my next point. Okay, excellent. Another thing that it's important to understand about asexuality Mm -hmm. is the difference between attraction and libido. Okay. And action. So libido that is the sensation of like being horny, right? That's how often you want to maybe Get engage in sexual activity. Oh, you yeah. feel an urge in general to satisfy that, right? And Woo-woo. some people feel that urge more often than other people because libido also totally. is a spectrum, as a range. Um, oh yeah, I mean it's. I mean, if we're talking gender, I mean, women it's a crapshoot biologically for our genitals to to be like, hey, we're gonna orgasm, you know, because it doesn't matter if biologically women orgasm; it just matters that they breed, you know. Right. Oh yeah. Exactly. No, yeah. orgasm is not. Yeah. I mean, but men get orgasms at birth. Like they come out, they're like, yeah, good load. Well, it's not, I don't even think it's necessary. Sorry. It's okay. I don't even, I'm not even sure if it's necessarily the having of an orgasm per se. It's okay. just the, the urge to have sex. Although I particular, I, I have certain feelings about orgasms as well. And again, that will come later. But um, so, so that's libido. It's, it's the general drive. You know, I yeah. want to have sex. Mm-hmm. Then you have attraction. So the way I think of attraction is the application of your libido towards a specific individual. So okay. libido is I want to have sex. Yeah. Attraction is I want to have sex with that person over there. Does okay. that make sense? Yes, definitely. And then you have action which is the actual act of engaging in sexual activity, which does not require libido or attraction. There's lots of reasons why we have sex that don't necessarily have anything to do with who we are attracted to. And I could certainly supply many (laughs) hypothetical examples of that. Yeah, Um, yeah. Let's not get into that list. (laughs) So that I think is very important for people to understand because when you, you know, people who might, you know, be like, oh, well, you've had sex before, so you can't possibly be asexual, which is something that I personally had to wrestle with as I was going through my journey because I ain't no blushing virgin and that's a fact. Yeah. So, um, so And a lot of people just don't understand that just because you have had sex or maybe because you're still having sex doesn't mean that you can't be asexual. Um, And and that leads me to my next point about what I think is important for people to understand is that asexual doesn't necessarily, not only does it not necessarily mean, you know, virginal, it also doesn't necessarily mean repulsion. Um, amongst asexuals, you will find varying, again, a spectrum, degrees of willingness 
to engage in sexual activity. Um, I think a lot of times when people think of asexuals, they think automatically of people who are disgusted by the sex act. And that would be a sex repulsed ace, um, but not all aces fall under that category. Yeah, I've, I've heard that stereotype too. I mean, I'm sure there are, there's always some faction of something that is repulsed by something in that, you know, but I think it's more of a common stereotype that ace people are just really don't like sex. And I don't think that's true at all. In fact, other people I've known that were more towards the asexual uh, spectrum, they were indifferent to it. They just didn't care. Exactly. And that's a, that's a, it's, it's something that even within the asex, asexual community that people will argue about, um, I consider myself to be sex neutral. Um, I could take yeah. it or leave it either way. Um, yeah. I have engaged in sex for the purpose of uh, validation, which is not healthy in my opinion, but we'll get into that. I've also engaged in sex for the purpose of pleasing my partner. It's and also hard as women to f really know why we want to have sex. I mean, especially in how we're bred as women and what we're bred to fear and stuff like that. I'm not trying to tangent too far off into that, but having sex is, I think, has always been an interesting thing for a woman to get into because she thinks of more reasons for it. I think it's very important. It's yeah. very important for um, people in general, not just women, um, but people in general. And, and it's integral to my story in particular to understand why they're engaging in certain behaviors. Yeah, and let's get into that too. How did you discover your ace? So... <laughs> It's kind of a convoluted story, and I'm going to um, be as concise as possible. <laughs> well, I'm going to be concise, but I'm going to kind of start at the end and then go backwards. That's it, cool. It makes a little bit more sense that way. Okay. Um, I'm going to start. By all means. <laughs> I'm going to start in 2018. Mm -hmm. I had just ended my third and final long-term relationship. I moved out. I got my own apartment. I made the conscious decision to not date and to be celibate. And I, I stress that that was a conscious decision because the decision to be celibate is not the same thing as being ace. Um, yes, I remember when you, you came out with celibate and you were just yeah. a little sick of the dating, and, and you have many ample reasons why. <laughs> oh, I'm over it. I am over yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh yeah, you've been over it for ages. Over it. Yeah. Oh my God. So I was like, you know what? Um, I need to take some time, get to know myself, get mentally healthy, because by the time I was done with the third relationship. I was mentally wrecked. Yeah, wrecked. you just had some guys there that just drained you. Oh you know, God! Not yeah. not saying anything bad about the guys. No, we'll we'll, we'll get into that a little bit. But um, <laughs> I need I need. Uh, you really want to get into those three relationships with me? Okay. <laughs> no, I mean it's it. Not in any great detail, but there are there are kind of important milestones that fall within those relationships. Yeah, of course, of course. I want to so, so let's start. Okay. I was in this, you know, I was in this headspace of trying to kind of learn to love myself, and I was at a point when I was ready. Um, so I was getting therapy. I was, you know, trying to just kind of get my life together, and uh, things were going really well. I had a rough year that year, but generally speaking, I felt pretty good. And then I got a new job. And without getting into too much detail, the whole job thing for me is very, very important to my mental health. And I basically got my dream job. So I was now gone from content to actually happy. And my brain could not fucking handle it. Like, what is up with this? <laughs> it happens to a lot of people. When people are finally happy, their first anxious instinct is, all right, now what's going to go wrong? 
When your entire life has been riddled with anxiety and depression, getting into yep. a happy headspace is something that's actually kind of difficult to deal with because you've yeah. been you've been primed and conditioned to be constantly dealing with negativity, right? Yeah. So my brain needing something to ruminate on because it had really nothing to be anxious about at this point other than general anxiety about having a new job and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. decided to focus on my sexuality, which pissed me right off because I didn't want to think about my sexuality. <laughs> I had made the decision to be celibate and not date. But, okay, so I'm thinking about it. My my sexuality ha was always something that I kind of questioned. Two of my three long-term relationships were uh, heteroromantic, and one of them was panromantic. But in general all of my couplings and relationships were straight. Yeah. Um, but I never felt straight. Um, I never identified really with that identity. Um, a lot of my, a good portion of my friend group was gay or queer in some way. Um, if I was going out to the bars, I was going to the gay bars and stuff yeah. like that. So I never really thought that... I was straight like that. And so thinking about all this and like, well, you know, do I want to try dating women? And I'm thinking about that. And I'm like, well, I'm not opposed to that. But how do you approach that, you know, with a woman? Oh, I've never been with a woman. I want to try it out to see what it's like. Like, that's fucking rude. Right. And yeah, the way it happened to me when I was like, I'm single, I can fuck who I want. And I was drunk in a bar and some girl came up to me and flirted with me. And that's how I got to get together with a woman. So I had it fall into my lap and then I was like, not for me, thanks. Well, I mean, that's <laughs> a natural encounter. So that would, you know, if, if something like that happened, if I met a woman in, in the course of my life and we hit it off really well, um, I would have no problem, you know. Exploring it exploring that with honesty you know what i mean letting her know hey i've never done that this before but i actually really like you that to me is more natural than be like going on a dating app and being like you know i want to like try out a check like yeah that's exactly it's not, not cool yeah and, and you don't want to be insulting to lesbians and bisexuals who hate flippers and stuff like that you know yeah you know it's it's to me, it's just not the right way to approach it. And and I'm thinking and I'm and I'm getting frustrated with myself because intellectually, like as far as like love feelings, I know I've had romantic love feelings for females before. Mm -hmm. Um and I know I've had romantic love feelings for uh a non-binary person before. So I know that as far as love and romantic feelings, I'm pretty flexible. So I'm just getting frustrated with myself about the whole sex thing. And I'm like, why am I focusing on this? I don't want to have sex with anyone. And that was the moment that the puzzle piece kind of fell into place for me. And I was like, I don't want to have sex with anyone. Excellent. Like, I, I don't, I know what sexual attraction is. I don't feel that pull. Not really. Yeah. So this is the point in the story where I head backwards. Because now that I'm kind of like, can't deny something that I've kind of had inklings about in the past anyway, I now have to try and figure out, is this true? Is this really where I'm at? And how did I get there? Mm -hmm. So now I kind of have to go back myself and uh, kind of delve into my history a little bit and try and figure out what the drivers for my past behavior was. Um, well, that's the whole point of the journey. You, you constantly reopen those doors and revisit your demons to, to work them out, to find out who you truly are and work on that mindfulness. And you know, that's a big thing with me. I'm always facing my shit head on, like, all right, let's figure this out now. There's no reason not to, because really exactly. just not, I'm trying to avoid shit. I spent most of my adult life not dealing with shit I needed to deal with. <laughs> um, so, it, and I'm in a good space today. Could I have been in a better space sooner? 
maybe. I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's hey, no point I mean, about it, right? It is what it is at this point. I mean, you're misanthropic than me. So when you have positive moments, I'm happy. I'm like, good. Every day, just a little bit of positivity. That's, that's awesome. You well, know? you know, that's the existential part of my nature. <laughs> <laughs> make Scorpios. The best make the best of it when my nihilist part of my nature says that all of this is pointless. Because both of those things are simultaneously true. I mean, come on, we're uh, all going to die. You know, Might as well just make the best of it. We're all going to perish under the thumb of, you know, whatever's. Right. I, I, you know, I'm going to die someday. Yeah, let's just do have really fun while we're doing it. Now, do I really want to spend the next 10 minutes of my life miserable? Not really. Hell no. Yeah. I, if, if this was the last 10 minutes of my life, I'd be having a fantastic conversation with my best friend. So I'd have no regrets. <laughs> no, no regrets. That's right. <laughs> well, let's go on a bit now. What are we up to? Um, you um, talking about figuring out how I got here. Yeah, let's go on that. So um, I'll briefly touch on the fact, I won't get into any details, but I am a survivor of early childhood sexual abuse. It is relevant to my story, which is why I bring it up. When I was a young person, high school, uh, you know, middle school, high school, stuff like that, I didn't, I didn't date. A lot of people thought I was a lesbian that it came up multiple times where people asked me if I was a lesbian. I wore guys clothes sometimes, I had a short haircut. Um, I knew I was different from my peers. I had a lot of friends. Uh, I was, I've always been very blessed in that regard, but I didn't date. I didn't you know, have a boyfriend, wasn't really experimenting with any of that. And that was okay. I was okay with it when I was in high school. I, it didn't bother me. I, I didn't think about a future of getting married and having kids or, or anything like that. I, I think what opens the event that kind of opened the floodgates to what, in my opinion, was 20 odd years of seeking validation through sex with men was my first consensual sexual relationship, which was with one of my college professors who was more than 20 years my senior. Um, oh, I remember this story. <laughs> it, it, you know, it, it's pretty much textbook hypersexual uh, obsession with an older authority figure yep. type yep. sexual abuse response. But mm. it was through that encounter that I began to seek my validation and my worth through connections with men. Mm -hmm. um, in between that and my first long-term relationship, which was also with an older man, I did have my one instance, what I point to as the one genuine instance of being sexually attracted to someone when I was in college. And you know who that person is. <laughs> Oh, I know who that person is. <laughs> names, no, we're not names. saying names, but yeah, that was like that was magic. And that like, was my one like But now he's weird now. I, I think if we, had we ended up in a relationship, we definitely would have grown apart because I, I don't oh, think definitely. that we hold the same values anymore. Yeah. Uh, but it but, was a uh, fun college fling. At the time, I was well. I was also in love with him as well. So yeah. you could, even, you know, you could even maybe say that I am demisexual because I, I genuinely was in love with that person. Yeah, um, I never so, got to sleep with him. But um, <laughs> yeah. So that was the 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 one. I, I and I genuinely wanted to engage in sexual activity with that person, and I did. Yeah. Um, lucky <laughs> he was really hot in college guys he was he was yeah. he, he's, he's not an attractive man at all no so he's not familiar with uh albrecht Durer's portrait of jesus he kind of looked like that oh yeah oh yeah he does um but anyway so i then got into my first relationship um again it was an older man who was perfectly happy to kind of fit into that role that I'll take care of you role 
and I was looking for someone who, you know, that, that was where my mental head was at that time. So, um, but it was in this relationship that I started to recognize issues that today for me are clear signs that I'm on the right track as far as understanding that I'm an asexual person. Um, and we had a lot of issues, um, in that department, mainly because a, I'm not a big initiator of sex. So I don't feel attraction. So I don't initiate that often. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was a blow to the ego of my partner. And I don't orgasm easily. It's very, very, I can brute force it myself with a vibrator or, you know, whatever I need to do. Yeah. Like I said before, it's a crapshoot for women biologically. Right. Well, I mean, physiologically speaking, because, you know, well, people like to, I'm, I'm going on a tangent here for a minute. That's okay. But you know, people like to talk about the G spot, right? And argue whether or not it actually Oh my exists. God. Are we still talking about that? I'm sorry? Are they still talking about that? Can we stop talking about the, the freaking G spot? Well, people like to argue about whether or not it actually exists. Physiologically, it absolutely exists in every woman because all it is is the intersection of the area of the clitoris that splits and surrounds the outside of the vaginal wall because the clitoris is actually shaped like an upside down Y. Okay. The part that sticks out is the bottom of the Y and then it splits in two and surrounds the, the, the outer walls of the vagina. So the G spot is the area where the Y splits. And in some women it's close enough to the vaginal wall to be stimulated. And in others it's not. So and that's why so many women don't orgasm through penetration. But I'm going to end this here because otherwise I'm yeah, going to go. That's going to be a whole other episode. I can talk about this all day. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll have a female orgasm episode, I'm sure. Well, there you go. <laughs> but uh, I was able to eventually with him. But it took years of effort. And quite frankly, it, it had nothing to do with me. It had everything to do with him. I was doing it for him because he could not fucking handle it. And I don't fake orgasm. I don't believe faking in faking orgasms. Nope. I believe that faking orgasms perpetuates lies. So because I don't lie. <laughs> yeah, you never have. I don't actually come. Dudes, they hate that shit. They don't like it. And I apologize to any men who are listening to this, who feel offended by this. This is just my personal experience. I am sure there are men out there who can handle it, but I don't think that you know that until you're faced with it. Exactly. It's one of those things where you can say like, oh yeah, that wouldn't be a problem for me. But then all of a sudden you're dealing with it and you're like, oh, this kind of sucks. That yeah, sort of thing. You can't just have blanket statements. Everyone is different. Right. So, but it's one of the reasons why I'm not really keen on dating again, because I really, I won't compromise on these things anymore. And I, and I don't want to have to be put in a position where I feel guilty about it because exactly. good for guilty. you. I mean, like you said, each relationship was more miserable than the last <laughs> one. Yeah. I mean, let's not even talk about the last one <laughs> unless you no, want to. It's important. It matters. Okay. Um, but anyway, so that, the, that the first relationship ended, it was th- lasted 13 years. My first inkling that there was definitely something off was there was one time where we had just had sex and I was laying there and I was like, where is this feeling of passion that people say they feel? Because I'm not feeling that. And I'm not even sure if I know what it means. And that was kind of the first inkling that something, something was different about me. And, and again, that was in my, my first relationship, second relationship. Um, I had the same sex issues that I had in the first relationship, except he gaslit and was mentally abusive to me about it. And that we we don't talk about that one. No. Um, but again, the issues were the same. So by this point I'm seeing the pattern. Um, third relationship, we also had sexual issues. 
because neither one of us wanted to initiate because as it turns out of all the fucking ironies we're both asexual although we didn't know it at the time so i'm feeling now mental injury because my partner does not want to initiate sex they want me to do it i don't want to do it so it, it was a hot uh, fucking mess it was a yeah. hot mess yeah and um we were fighting all the time. Like I said, I was not getting the validation that I craved because, again, that was what was driving my my sexual behavior was was validation. If I wanted to get off, I would get off. I would do it myself. Yeah, it was more about that. Um, part there was also some part of it too was about connecting with my partner because there is a certain amount of of that whether you feel sexual attraction or not, bodily responses, uh, dopamine things like that, oxytocin bonding that happens through sexual activity, all that stuff oh, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All the chemical but reactions. Most, Mostly it was that feeling of I, I have value and I'm worthy because this person who is a man or a male presenting is paying attention to me sexually or romantically. Yeah. And I, I understand you just, you know, you had to shove off with the I should not be validated through sex. Right. You, you and, had and, that big revelation. Yeah, it was huge. It was, it was, it was it huge. It is huge. It is very huge when you it have was that. And honestly, I think, and it's, it's, it's frustrating because it's one of those things that you can't, you can tell someone all you want to, right? And, and anyone who's listening to this, please understand you are enough. Your value comes from within comes from who you are as a person, comes from what you know, the things you love, who you are, what you create. That's where your value comes from. But Bravo. you can say those things to someone. But they got to learn it for themselves. Exactly. It, it's one of those yeah. things that you just kind of have to learn. And at the end of that third relationship, I was I had reached that critical mass where I was like, I, I can't do this anymore. It's It's enough. So I moved out. And what I discovered was, is I love living alone. I love living alone. <laughs> I love being single. I love having my own space. Get I love being cat. with my own space, not having to deal with anybody else's bullshits. Like your cat. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I have a cat. He's my yeah. roommate. <laughs> <laughs> he's your, he's your, uh, your cranky old boyfriend that makes you do stuff for him. I don't, I don't like describing him as my boyfriend that's kind of weird there's there's some cat ladies who are like oh this is the love of my life and so mm, oh yeah i know i don't i don't do the whole my cat is my boyfriend thing oh um, okay sorry i didn't mean it like that i was just no, no, he's okay. your cranky old man that makes you do shit for him that's all he I is know. a cranky old man he is he is okay. my sweet baby and i love him very much <laughs> exactly um, and he does keep me company so that's cool. what i was going to uh comment on before how I, I find that we both have approached we're both roughly the same age you're a few months older than me mm -hmm. through our relationships and uh growing together as friends I've realized that we both have made amazing strides and I applaud both of us I definitely applaud you you know that oh, um and yes you know, absolutely I mean, you, you have grown immensely, immensely over the, over the last Thank you. 20 years. I know you've struggled a lot with oh, yeah. and, and, and stuff like that. Oh, um, yeah. But I was going to say also how through our rough relationships where I know you, you know, we both thought we could save the person and then we realized, you know, we're going to save ourselves. We can't save you. You have to... You know, if you have issues, it's none of mine. You need to acknowledge them and for your own, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah, there was definitely some of that. There was some of that for me. Um, I definitely uh, am the type of person to take on other people's problems and make them my own. Yeah, um, but I'm saying is we both, I feel like we both have firmly gone past that now in our early 40s. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't have the conversations for it anymore. I really exactly. don't. I'm ready to, I, I'm ready to be fully selfish in my personal life while giving myself as much as I can to the people around me who might need me. Um, exactly. I mean, like, because 
you can't you can't take care of anybody else until you take care of number one. And I, and I think that's, that's something that we don't really look at in our society, you know, no, especially women. All. this was definitely a woman thing. A hundred percent. We yeah. want to take care of everybody else. We don't take care of ourselves. We neglect ourselves and that neglect flows out into, because the, the energy, energy you put out comes from inside you. So if you're not, if you're not taking care of what's inside you, you can't then spread that goodness to other people. Exactly. Um, so in that respect... But without losing yourself, I, I think we both firmly have not lost ourselves to some dude anymore. Well, you know? I did. I did. Well, After we both did. I'm just saying I, now. I suffered complete and total ego death. After my second relationship, it was absolutely devastating. Um, yeah. But I mean no. now. <laughs> oh yeah, no, and that's my point: is that by being selfish, and by giving ourselves what we need, mm-hmm. we we can then give to others without losing who we are as people. Because what happens is, and and this is from my experience, right? So I I'm not going to say again. I'm not going to make a blanket statement and say that this is everybody, but a lot of the times. We look for these other relationships, romantic relationships, sexual relationships, because we feel incomplete, right? And we want someone else to complete us. We want someone else to make us whole. I reject that theory entirely. Oh, um, I, yeah. I reject completely. I think that when we come to the conclusion that we are already whole, that we are already valuable, that just us ourselves have value, we are, we are a whole individual with, with needs and wants and desires and feelings. What happens is, is we learn to value ourselves. We learn to value our lives. So when we do that, it becomes something that we want to protect. We're not going to be so easily stepping into a relationship with someone who is harmful to us because we feel like we're lacking something. We already know that we have everything we need and we want to protect that. So at least from my perspective and how I plan on moving forward, nobody gets in who is going to change my life in a huge degree I'm not, I'm not, for example, going to move out to be with somebody. I'm not going to change my job to be with somebody. I'm not going to fight with my friends to be with somebody. I just, I tore my life apart to be with people who were bad for me because I didn't feel value for myself and I didn't feel value for the good things that I already had. And I made a mess of things because I thought I didn't have what I needed. And if I had valued myself and my life and found that validation from within, I would have saved myself a lot of fucking heartache. But then again, I don't Um, know that I would have ever come to that place if I had not felt that particular heartache. I think I needed that kick in the teeth. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, that's a double-edged sword. I mean, we have to experience in order to learn. And again, students of life, like I knew I wouldn't get my ass, my shit in gear and, you know, learn to be whole and not think that someone made me whole. It took a long time, you know? So you need that experience, unfortunately. You can't, I mean, I'm not saying you can't have sweet smelling roses all the time but you know just just interacting with people helps you learn more about them and how you want to conduct yourself and who you want to surround yourself with you know right and not just interacting with other people but interacting with yourself actually having those conversations with yourself and examining who you are as a person and learning more about yourself exactly i completely agree And Steph, the last thing I wanted to ask you, because I think this is important because as we are an older generation, I think older generations should continually try to impart their wisdom to the younger generations. So what would you say to the youth that may be identifying themselves in the ACE blanket? Um, First and foremost, I mean, I'm only coming to terms with my sexual orientation myself very recently. But despite that, um, I have connected the dots. 
between where I am now and where I was and how I felt in the past. So the first thing I would say is you're not broken. Yeah. You might feel like you're not like others and that's probably true, but that's okay. That's not a bad thing. And in fact, it's a good thing. Diversity is very important. Um, So even if you are different, you feel different from everybody else, you're not broken, okay? You You are a whole, unique individual that has value. Um, I would also say that you don't have to come out right away. Um, And I I think that, you know, anywhere on the LGBTQIA plus spectrum that holds true, um, you know, do it when you feel comfortable, take time to explore, take time to ask yourself questions, to do some research, Um, maybe uh, get involved with um, online groups. Uh, There's, you know, forums on Avon, um, there's Facebook groups, and you don't have to actually participate in conversation. You can just take a look and see what people are saying about their own experiences. Um, if you think it might help, again, you're not broken. Therapy could be helpful, not because you need to be fixed, but because sometimes having a third part, uh, you know, a, 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 an outside party uh, help you work through things that might be confusing could be helpful. I will say this though, um, if your therapist comes at you with some bullshit about asexuality being a mental health issue um, or that asexuality is not real, because that does happen, get a new therapist because those modes of thinking are hopelessly outdated. Um, Generally speaking, uh, a mental health issue, um, and I'm not a mental health professional, but my understanding of it is, is that mental health issues don't require treatment if you yourself are not distressed. If you're understanding this about yourself and you're okay with it, then you don't need to be fixed. There are people who might tell you you do, but those people are toxic and you don't need them in your life. Anybody who tells you that you're wrong, you need to be fixed, um, if they try to tell you that you're not what you say you are, you might want to re-examine your relationships with those people. Sometimes in life, we kind of have to be brutal about who we allow to stay and who we keep away. And I understand that as a young person, um, you know, you might not be, uh, you might be still dependent on your parents. And obviously that is a sensitive relationship. And in that case, therapy might be helpful because you're, uh, you'll hold confidence behind those closed doors someone that you can speak to if you think your parents might be judgmental or, um, or anything like that. Um, I would also say look for black rings. Um, not every ace wears them, but some aces will, on the middle finger of their right hand, wear a black ring um, to signify that they are, in fact, ace. So if you see a black ring in the wild, maybe talk to that person. I have not yet encountered a black ring in the wild, I do sometimes wear my black ring, and I know that if anybody came up to me and said, I see your ring there, are you ace? I absolutely would engage in conversation with that person. Um, So, you know, I can't speak for the welcomeness of everybody, but I think a person who actually puts the ring on is someone who is outwardly out of the closet and probably would be willing to talk to you. I don't know that for sure. Obviously be careful, be aware of your surroundings when talking to strangers. But if you're in a situation where you feel like it would be safe, have a conversation with that person. Maybe they'll be willing to talk to you, but that would be my advice. Most of all, you're okay. You're just who you are. Continue to explore who you are and don't let anybody tell you who you are. Only you can decide that. That's amazing stuff. You know, I love uh, just to hear you talk because you're, you're so articulate and informative and you make my heart melt and I am very honored to be your friend. You're laying it on thick there, sister. I, I've been laying it on thick for you for damn near 30 years. You're going to have to get used to it sometime. My you God, know, can I be heartwarming at the end? It even says at the notes, close it out with some heartwarming. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Stephanie always calls me out on my sentimentality. <laughs> well, that's because, I mean, I, I am a sentimental person, but I'm- I know I'm not, you are. 
not very demonstrative. Um, then that's also been a problem with me in relationships is that my favorite type of relationship is the type of relationship where I can ex coexist with the person in the same room, but not have to interact with them at all. So <laughs> no, that's the best. I'm not actually a romantic as well because yeah. I'm really, I'm not, I'm not a sweet girlfriend. I'm really not. <laughs> You're a Scorpio. That's why. And nobody wants to believe me when I tell them that, but in the, within the confines of a romantic relationship, I, I give no quarter and I can be very difficult to live with. And I'm not incredibly demonstrative all the time, which can leave people feeling neglected. And I, and I know that in the past you've told me, you, you, you know, you love me and stuff. And I'm like, and also guys, she hates surprises. I, I love surprising my friends with I don't hate surprises. Anything. Well, okay. <laughs> oh wow no, wow I, you just said that <laughs> surprises like like a surprise gift or, or something like that but if yeah i know if it involves like th this is for one of our other conversations but if it involves like changes of plans or spontaneous events I, that oh, yeah. No, you can't be spontaneous with Steph. You're right. No. I, 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 I amend that. You cannot be spontaneous with Steph, but you can surprise her with gifts. Like the time I, I know she still loves it. I surprised her with the bell Barbie, the Disney oh, bell. Literally a foot away from my head right now. She's oh, right yeah. here. Yeah, I, I knew that. that I, yeah, that 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 I, I was so proud to give that to you. I'm like, I, I knew think, she's gonna I love it. I think any hesitation that I had in accepting that gift wasn't that I wasn't pleased with the gift itself. It's because I know how goddamn expensive that thing was, and Never. I didn't want to be spending that kind of money. <laughs> Once in a while, come on, you're my sister. And <laughs> guys, not many people when you spend the weekend over will let you sleep in bed with them and use. Their boobs as a pillow. So I was gonna yeah. say that. I was gonna say you. You just want my boobs. That's I do. All. I, I do. I do. Guys, you don't understand how comfortable and what a lovely night's sleep you get. Like I can't wait to visit Steph again. I, well, I'm. I am a large woman, and I am. As you can, if if you're looking at this video, you can see I am uh uh overweight <laughs> so i'm very soft and pillow like which yeah, makes me a little bit. Uh, so you're not the only one who has enjoyed the comfort of my bosom <laughs> and I, you know and that hey, should be shared uh, and i'm willing to share it with those who i am comfortable sharing it with so. exactly and stuff on that note i you know your your comfort um, and I know you'll deny it, but your maternal nature has always been something of a solace to me. And I really appreciate you having this chat with me. Um, I know we're having a few more chats and I can't wait because I, I really, you know, I wanted to know how you feel about ACE. I think ACE needs to be spoken about more. I will speak about it because you know me. I like to pontificate endlessly about my, whatever my current uh, special interest is. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I guess I, I might have ribbed you on that a couple times. <laughs> oh yes, yes you did. But that's for another conversation. So uh -huh. That's all. Right. Uh huh. Well, everybody. Uh, you heard my bestie Steph use her lady mouth today. No holds barred. Sound off on whatever you want, but always be heard and always express. And I thank you for listening today. And everybody have a rocking day. So bye. Bye, Steph. Bye.
Welcome to Lady Mouse, the show where real girl talk insult it. I can't talk. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.